Amen. Let us turn in the Word of God this evening to the book of the Psalms, and it's the Psalm 112. The Psalm numbered 112, and tonight I just want to read this Psalm and draw your attention to uh, one particular phrase in the Psalm. And then, as was announced on the Lord's Day, I want to come to a PowerPoint presentation this evening. And so reading together, firstly, the Psalm 112, the verse 1. Praise ye the Lord. Blessed is the man that feareth the Lord, that delighteth greatly in his commandments. His seed shall be mighty upon earth. The generation of the upright shall be blessed. Wealth and riches shall be in his house, and his righteousness endureth forever. Unto the upright there ariseth light in the darkness. He is gracious and full of compassion and righteous. A good man showeth favor and lendeth. He will guide his affairs with discretion. Surely he shall not be moved forever. The righteous shall be in everlasting remembrance. He shall not be afraid of evil tidings. His heart is fixed, trusting in the Lord. His heart is established. He shall not be afraid until he see his desire upon his enemies. He hath dispersed, he hath given to the poor. His righteousness endureth forever. His horn shall be exalted with honor. The wicked shall see it and be grieved. He shall gnash with his teeth and melt away. The desire of the wicked shall perish. Amen. May the Lord bless the reading of this psalm to each of our hearts. The opening verse of the psalm, you can see that it's making reference to the blessed man. And really this psalm gives us a description of the blessed man. That's really the subject of the psalm. And it continues to describe the blessed man in various ways. For example, you can see in that first verse that it says, Blessed is the man that feareth the Lord. And so the blessed man will have that fear and that reverence for the Lord. And as verse 1 continues, he's one who will have a love for the Word of God, the blessed man that delighteth greatly in his commandments. He loves and he obeys the Word of God. In verse 2, there's a reference to the seed of the blessed man. Verse 3, a reference to the substance of the blessed man. In verse 3, he's referred to there as the upright and one who is in the light as opposed to the darkness. Then you can see there in the sixth verse, it speaks about the security of that blessed man. Surely he shall not be moved forever. Well, then in the second part of verse 6, that's the phrase that I want to leave before you tonight. The righteous shall be 
in everlasting remembrance. I'm sure we would all like to be remembered in some way. It's nice to be remembered. And here it speaks about the righteous being remembered. But it says that the memory of the righteous is an everlasting remembrance. And so when it's referring to those who are the blessed of the Lord and the righteous of the Lord, they're going to be in everlasting remembrance. Proverbs 10 and the verse 7, it says, The memory of the just is blessed. But that verse goes on to say, But the name of the wicked shall rot. The name of the wicked shall rot, but the memory of the just is blessed. And so as I was visiting Scotland just uh, over a week ago, and we visited various sites in Scotland that was making reference to the faithful of the Lord in the past, I certainly was brought to think about this phrase of Scripture, the righteous shall be in everlasting remembrance. And so I want to just show you tonight some of the slides, pictures that we took while uh, we visited Scotland. It was really a family holiday, and so I'm showing you something tonight of the holiday. Uh, snapped some of the holiday photographs, but I've taken out all the bad ones, and I'm only letting you see the good ones tonight. So we'll see how uh, the presentation uh, goes this evening. We went over to St. Andrews, and that's a little town on the east coast of Scotland. So getting the ferry across and taking the car, we traveled from the west right across to the east coast of Scotland. <clears throat> and St. Andrews is a town with great historical significance. And as you go around it, you cannot fail to see the Protestant history and the heritage that is there from the days of John Knox and the Reformers and the times of the Covenanters. The history is all around that little town. It was such a significant town in history. But of course, today, if you were to ask someone about St. Andrews, they would maybe think more about the golf course that's at St. Andrews. St. Andrews is referred to as the home of golf because apparently that's where uh, golfing commenced uh, hundreds of years ago. And so St. Andrews is referred to as the home of golf. And here you have a picture of the old course. And therefore, because it's the home of golf, Americans flock to it. All year round, St. Andrews would be full of American tourists and they're all coming over to play this course, to play the golf course. And the picture here that we have is showing a little bridge. And anyone who has uh, an interest in golf, uh, they might recognize this bridge. It's called the Swilkin Bridge. And it was built some 700 years ago uh, just to take sheep across that little river. 
But since the golfing all started, uh, this bridge is now at the 18th hole of St. Andrew's Golf Course. And so that's the picture that you're looking at. And it's a very famous spot. And all of those famous golfers have crossed over this particular Swilkin Bridge. But I bring you to this picture not to show you the golf course or the bridge or the fancy hotels that surround it there. But if you look into the background of the photograph, you can see there a monument. And it just forms the backdrop to the 18th hole at the golf course. And that monument there was erected in 1842 to commemorate the Protestant reformers who were put to death at St. Andrews. And so it sits there. Some of you have maybe visited the site. It's right there at the back of the golf course, just right on the coastline. The next picture, you can see it from the reverse angle, and you can maybe begin to appreciate something of the size and the scale of that monument. It's the Martyrs Monument in St. Andrews. And then there's one of me drawing alongside it in my holiday attire, looking very youthful. And that's me beside the Martyrs Monument. But uh, moving uh, swiftly through these particular photographs, there is a plaque there on the monument, and it's difficult to read it, but I have the inscription that is on the monument. It's called the Martyrs Monument, erected in 1842 to commemorate those put to death in the 16th century St. Andrews for asserting their religious beliefs. Put to death because of their religious beliefs. And at the bottom of the plaque there, it tells us that the monument was restored in 2013. And as you look at the large column there, uh, there is the inscription that goes right down the column. I'm sure it would be difficult to uh, read from your seats, but on that large column it says, in memory of the martyrs Patrick Hamilton, Henry Forrest, George Wishart, Walter Mill, who in support of the Protestant faith suffered death by fire at St. Andrews between the years 1528 and 1558. And there's a text that is just there at the bottom of the column, and it's that text of Scripture that I have drawn to your attention from Psalm 112 and the verse 6. The righteous shall be in everlasting remembrance. And so there in the town of St. Andrews, you have the martyrs, uh, memorial, the Martyrs Monument, and it's very prominent. If you visited the town, uh, you couldn't miss it. The one man that was mentioned there uh, at the beginning of the uh, tribute on the monument, the first name was Patrick Hamilton. And you may be able to make out here in the cobblestones the initials. There's the P for Patrick and then the H for the Hamilton. And Patrick Hamilton's initials in the cobblestones on the footpath, they mark the very spot where he was martyred for the cause of Christ. 
and the gospel. And the history, as I've said, is there all around you, but many are blind to it. It's there, and yet they do not see it. There is a little plaque just on the railing beside those initials, and the plaque to Patrick Hamilton reads, The initials on the pavement nearby mark the spot where Patrick Hamilton, member of the university, was burned at the stake on the 29th of February, 1528, at the age of 24. On the continent, he had been greatly influenced by Martin Luther, and on his return to St. Andrews, he began to teach the Lutheran doctrines. And having been tried and found guilty of heresy, he was condemned to death, thus becoming the first martyr of the Scottish Reformation. The first martyr of the Scottish Reformation was the man called Patrick Hamilton. And then St. Andrews, of course, is well known for its university. And that's really why we were across. This is a picture of just part of St. Andrews University. It's the oldest university in Scotland, and it was founded in 1413. And my youngest, Ethan, he has attended there for the past year, and he was doing his master's degree, which he has now finished. And so part of our reason for going over uh, was to get him packed up and to clean the house uh, that he had been living in. And so we had our work cut out uh, for his uh, living in that house for the past year. If you can see the arches there in the picture, and just behind those arches, it's called St. Salvatore's Chapel. And that little chapel dates back many centuries, and religious services still take place in St. Salvatore's, joined there with the university. And we were able to go inside St. Salvatore's, and you can see the six of us there uh, together inside St. Salvatore's Chapel. And the reason I wanted to get inside uh, was because of the pulpit that is in St. Salvatore's. And there is the pulpit. This is the pulpit that John Knox preached from. And they have it there in St. Salvador's. He preached from that pulpit. And I had to get into the pulpit. I was maybe hoping that some of the spirit of John Knox would maybe rub off on me uh, entering into his pulpit. Quite small in comparison to the pulpit that we have uh, in our main church. But that's the pulpit of John Knox. That pulpit was originally in this little church And that is Holy Trinity Church of Scotland. Again, it's right in the center of St. Andrews. And the pulpit came out of this church and then was put into St. Salvador's. John Knox preached in this church in 1547. And he, in fact, became the minister of that church for one year, 1559 through to 1560. And the porch there where we're standing is called the John Knox Porch. And you can see it from this angle. That's the porch there that carries the name, the John Knox Porch, and it's to commemorate uh, the life of the reformer uh, that was the minister 
of that little church. Also in St. Andrews, uh, you have the ruins of the cathedral. And you can see even from the ruins that it was quite uh, a magnificent building in its day. And it was after the Reformation that the cathedral was abandoned and it was left then to fall into disrepair. Now, there's a graveyard, quite a large graveyard uh, here in the cathedral grounds. And every time uh, we would go on holiday, uh, I trooped the family round some graveyards and they've traveled a number of graveyards with me. And uh, Jordan was maybe getting a little bit fed up in the graveyard, so he thought he would try out uh, one of the tombs uh, just for size. And by the end of the holiday, I was ready to put the lid on the tomb. Uh, well, the reason of going into this graveyard, uh, this is the grave of the Reverend Samuel Rutherford. And he was a covenanter. He would have been in prison for a two-year period. He was also a professor at St. Andrew's University and a great preacher of the gospel. It was Samuel Rutherford who had a very prominent role in drawing up the Westminster Confession of Faith and also the Shorter Catechism. And due to the stand that he took, he was summoned to appear uh, before the Parliament on the charge of treason. And as they went to deliver the summons to Samuel Rutherford, they found him on his deathbed. He had taken ill, and he actually died on the date of my birthday, the 29th of March. The year, of course, is different, 1661, the 29th of March. He's still well known today, and particularly for his letters, the letters of Samuel Rutherford. His grave, uh, over the years, it's difficult to uh, read the inscription uh, that's on his gravestone, but again, I have it here, and uh, if I could read it to you. And the inscription here on the headstone, it says, What tongue, what pen can famous Rutherford command? His learning justly raised his fame. His true godliness adorned his name. He did converse with things above, acquainted with Emmanuel's love. Most orthodox he was and sound, and many errors did confound. For Zion's king and Zion's cause, and Scotland's covenanted laws, most constantly he did commend, until his time was at an end, then he won in full fruition of that which he had seen in vision. And so we again say that the righteous shall be in everlasting remembrance. There was another name that was on the large monument at the beginning of the presentation, and that was the name of George Wishart. And you can see the initials here on the road. Uh, if you're able to follow uh, the little laser that I have, you can see the G, uh, the shape of it there, and then there's the W uh, for Wishart. And so that marks the spot where George Wishart was put to death for the cause of the gospel. And it's just in front there of the castle ruins in St. Andrews. And there, 
is a closer picture of the initials on the road. And uh, it's just there on the road itself. Uh, cars are able to uh, drive over the very spot. They don't cherish so much the heritage that they have. I pulled the car alongside there for the photograph just to demonstrate that that's uh, the spot on the road where the cars travel and the cars park. And just beside uh, there is again uh, the plaque uh, with the memorial there to George Wishart, 1513 to 1546. It says, a powerful Protestant preacher, he was betrayed to Cardinal Beaton, brought here, put in the sea tower, condemned for heresy, and burnt at the stake on the 1st of March. The lettering GW on the roadway marks where he died. His friends conspired against the cardinal and on the 26th of May gained entry to the castle, killed him and hung his body from the battlements. Then together in the castle, they created the first congregation of the Protestant church in Scotland. And so it's very significant there that in the castle, that castle that now lies in ruins, uh, that was the place uh, where the first Protestant church, the first Presbyterian church met in Scotland. And as you can see from uh, the slide, uh, the spot where George Wishart was put to death was right there before the castle. And I draw particular attention to the windows of the castle the martyrdom of George Wishart was in full view of those windows. And the story goes that Cardinal Beaton, who condemned George Wishart to death, he sat there in the window uh, with the clergy that were with him, the hierarchy. They sat on velvet cushions to watch the martyrdom taking place. But it was the three months later as the plaque indicated that the friends of George Wishart rushed the castle, captured Cardinal Beaton, and put him to death. And it was then that that first congregation of Presbyterians met in the castle. And so there is the righteous in everlasting remembrance with George Wishart. I went over to Dundee, and here again connected with George Wishart, you have what is called the Wishart Arch. Dundee is just about 30 minutes away from St. Andrews, and so we went to visit this particular arch. And it's a place of ancient uh, archway and walls. In fact, it's the only section of the original walls that went around the city of Dundee. The wall was dismantled in 1746, but this section was preserved, and it was preserved because of its connection with George Wishart. And you can see, uh, if you're looking closely, just above my head in the photograph, there is there uh, a plaque put into the wall uh, with the inscription, and it tells us what the connection was with George Wishart and why this part of the wall was preserved to this day, and uh, why it's called the Wishart Arch. Well, the plaque, it reads, if I can see it on my computer, 
During the plague of 1544, George Wishart preached from the parapet of this port. The people standing within the gate and the plague-stricken lying without in booths. And so George Wishart used the walls here as a pulpit and he went up and stood on the wall there to preach and there were those who were stricken with the plague who had been put outside of the city, outside the wall and there were those who were standing inside and he preached the gospel to both and the little plaque there uh, that I was reading from as the text of scripture, Psalm 107 and the verse 20, he sent his word and healed them. And so we were glad to find the George Wishart arch and he had such a burden for souls that he stood up on the wall to preach the gospel. And then just along from the wall, uh, very close by, this area is called uh, the Cowgate. That's how it was known and in this particular building, uh, there's a plaque on the wall. And the plaque here is for Mary Slesser. She grew up in this particular area, in the Cowgate area of Dundee. Uh, she was uh, one that was born in Aberdeen, but she moved to Dundee as an 11-year-old girl. And she attended the church in that building that bears the plaque, and the church was referred to as the Heaven and Hell Church. And the reason it was referred to as the Heaven and Hell Church is because the church was on the first floor and below there was a pub. And so the church represented heaven and the pub represented hell and it was referred to as the Heaven and Hell Church. And that's where Mary Slesser attended. But she was... In 1876, the plaque goes on to say she joined the Christian mission in the Calabar region of southern Nigeria and she labored to spread the gospel and to help others. And it says on the plaque, love suffereth long and is kind. And then while we were in Dundee, uh, no visit to Dundee would be complete uh, without going to St. Peter's Church and that, of course, is the church where Robert Murray McShane ministered. He had only a short ministry, 1836 to 1843, seven years he ministered in this particular church. He did witness revival in this church, and the city of Dundee was moved by the power of God. Robert Murray McShane took ill with typhus before his 30th birthday and at 29 years of age he died but his influence still lives to this day we have already been singing one of his hymns tonight I once was a stranger to grace and to God Jehovah said can you that's the hymn written by Robert Murray McShane and we hope to sing another one in a few minutes time as well and then uh, at the church there uh, is the grave, the burial place of Robert Murray McShane. They did have a family burial place in Edinburgh, 
But whenever Robert Murray McShane died, the congregation at St. Peter's requested from the family that he could be buried in the grounds of the church, and they consented to that. And so we're glad we were able to visit there the grave of the Reverend Robert Murray McShane. The weather has taken its toll on, again, the, uh, the inscription, but we were able to get that uh, to see what it said. And to read the inscription concerning Robert Murray McShane, it says, Who died in the 30th year of his age and the 7th of his ministry, walking closely with God, an example of the believers in word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, in purity. He ceased not day and night to labor and watch for souls and was honored by his Lord to draw many wanderers out of darkness and to the path of life. And that was a tribute uh, put on by the congregation of St. Peter's to their minister, the Reverend Robert Murray McShane. I noticed as well, while we were at the church in St. Andrews, as you come through the gate, there's a stone there. And the stone has just one word upon it. And it's the word eternity. And it's referred to as the eternity stone. And there's a story behind this stone. It's there because of a man called Robert Ammon. And he was a great trophy of grace. He grew up in the area as a boy and he would have gone. He loved swimming and he learned to swim in the River Tay. And it is said that in his young days at times he would have broken the ice uh, to make his way into the water to go swimming in the River Tay. But as he got older he became very unruly. And he turned to drink and indulged in the sinful pleasures of his day. He ended up in prison when he was released. He later went to America and to Canada. And eventually he returned home to Dundee. And he seemed to be an absolutely hopeless case. But he attended gospel meetings. And to cut a long story short, he got gloriously saved. And he became a tremendous witness for the Lord, particularly to down and outs. Some of them who wanted to end their lives, they jumped into that river that he had swam in. They jumped into the River Tay to end their lives. And on a number of occasions, Robert Annan jumped in after. And because he was a strong swimmer, he was able to rescue them. It was counted that he rescued 11 people from the River Tay. And the Dundee Humane Society actually recognized him for doing that. And they honored him with a silver medal. The witness that he would have had was at times unusual. And outside of his house, he would have often hung up boards and he hung up two boards, and one was depicting the broad way that led to death and destruction, and the other was the narrow way that led to life everlasting in the Lord. And then one day he took a piece of chalk, and outside his house he wrote on the pavement that word, 
eternity. Eternity. And it was later that very day that a little boy got into trouble in the river. And Robert Annan, as he had done so many times before, he jumped in to save him. And he managed to get the boy to safety. But the current was so strong that he was overcome and Robert Annan drowned in the river that day. And when they came to conduct his funeral and the minister at that time stood outside the house, he stood on the stone where the chalk mark was still there with the word eternity upon it. And that's the stone that's now outside the church there of St. Peter's in Dundee. And it's in tribute to Robert Annan. And of course, it's still a witness to all who pass over it. Eternity, eternity. One of the last places we visited was in a very picturesque little town in Fife called Falkland. And the reason we went to Falkland is because it was the birthplace of Richard Cameron. And here we're outside the very place where Richard Cameron was born. He was considered uh, to be the Lion of the Covenant. And outside his house, you can perhaps see there uh, the plaque that's above the door. And that, uh, again, would indicate that it was the birthplace of Richard Cameron. It reads, Cameron House, birthplace of Richard Cameron, covenanter and martyr, 1648 to 1680. That means he was martyred at the age of 32 These were just young men, young men, some in their 20s, some in their 30s. And whenever you think of all of that history, we have a goodly heritage and we should seek to keep this ever before us. The righteous shall be in everlasting remembrance. Whenever we were over on the mainland, And you see something of Scotland and indeed the UK as a whole. It's in a very low state spiritually. You can see from this picture, here was a very beautiful uh, church building. But it's empty. And you can see that it's up for sale. And that's just something of an indication of the spiritual state of the land in these days in which we live. And so it should bring us to prayer. And as I bring the presentation to a close tonight, I think of that prayer that John Knox prayed, the prayer that he often prayed, give me Scotland or I die. And we need to pray tonight. We need to pray for another mighty move of God that he would have mercy on our land and our nation. I trust that you enjoyed uh, something of the presentation tonight and that you maybe learned uh, something from it and it might encourage you even to go across uh, to Scotland and to track out some of those uh, sites that you've seen on the screen tonight.